It is the uh, day after the expansion draft. The Seattle Kraken have put together um, a team. Mm. Is it a team that can win? Is it a team that we will even see on the ice come October? Um, neither of those questions can be answered at this point. It's Bob McCown. It's uh, John Shannon. But we're going to dissect as best we can what the Kraken did yesterday. And as many in this business are uh, attempting to do, but we got a couple of guys who know their way around this. Yeah. What it really was a shame was, is that uh, (laughs) by the time the show arrived last night at eight o'clock, there were no secrets. Well, got to find a way to fix that. Now I I hope, I hope Bob in our lifetime, there's never another expansion draft. I, I really believe that. I think that I hope they stay at 32 and 32 is a lovely number. But uh, they have to find a way to fix all these leaks, that one. Eric Dehachik, Billy Jaffe will join us after these messages. And we are back. It's uh, McCowan, it's Shannon, and uh, the hockey pucks are joining us. Uh, Eric Dehachik of The Athletic, Billy Jaffe of uh, Nesson. On the day after the, uh, the expansion draft, or more accurately, I suppose, another expansion draft, <laughs> George McPhee, the uh, president now of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, was on with us yesterday, and we went through the whole process of how he put together that team during the same scenario we went through yesterday and the days leading up to it, obviously, and the days after it. And I think it's fair to say that he kind of reinvented the wheel when he executed that draft And it was, I guess, almost impossible for Seattle to follow suit since so many general managers had essentially been fleeced by Vegas and the way they conducted their business that they were now aware of what not to do. But when all is said and done, when you look at the first phase, and we'll get into this later on, but the first group of players that they have now um, under their control, how'd they do? Jaffe, first. Uh, I wouldn't call them having gone, you know, bargain shopping completely, but they went more bargain shopping perhaps than Vegas did. I, I think where we, what's the old saying? I, I, I stink at these fool me once shame on me, fool me twice, shame, or, or shame on you, shame on me type of right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the GMs I'm sure that's, I mean, even Ron Francis talked about that basically that GMs weren't going to do the same thing that they did five years ago. And by the way, only six players from that roster that were drafted remain of the 30 players or the 29, 30 players remain up with Vegas right now. So we're going to still see a ton of change, but I just think Seattle did nice, but I don't, they've got a long way to go on paper, apples to apples after day one of the expansion draft. I don't even know if you can compare because of all the side deals that were done then versus now, but they're not as strong as Vegas was yet. Ronnie Francis saved a lot of money, fellas, and he could go out and do more fishing with a, you know, a big lure uh, and, and make his team significantly different and better in the next, you know, 15 days. Well, Eric, he's got, he spent about, uh, he's under $55 million in cap commitments, which gives him plenty of room, 25 million or so in, in room. But in order to do deals, you have to have players Does he have players that other teams will want, or is he going to simply be dipping his fishing rod into the free agent ocean? Well, I think two things, Bob, for sure. Uh, He, I think is going to add more free agents uh, than he has already. And he's, he's he's grabbed a couple in Alexiak and, and Larson and, and, and the goaltender Dreger. But I also think that, uh, that the reason for preserving that 25 million or whatever is because now all of a sudden, you know, Tampa has to get cap, cap compliant. You know, they have a poor day, but, but Tampa needs to do more. There's, a, there's still a lot of teams that have more work to do to get cap compliant. And, and Francis is going to use the remaining amount of money that he's got in his salary cap to leverage that cap room and get something in exchange. I mean, to me, the, the biggest surprise was that he wasn't able to get any kind of first round picks um, or uh, seemingly hasn't been able to uh, out of this um, exercise. So, you know, Calgary, for example, I mean, to, you know, the, the ask was a first and a third uh, to, to lay off uh, Giordano and, and Calgary found that price too high. 
And so my sense is that, um, that Francis set the prices extremely high and hoped that someone would blink and, and no one really did. And so, you know, whereas George McPhee came out of the, his exercise with uh, with two extra first, but actually got you know like an upgrade from a from Winnipeg to go from twenty four to thirteen or eleven. Um, so he he got a lot of draft capital um, that that Seattle seemingly hasn't been able to get yet. Not to say that they're not going to pick it up in in the days to come, but one of the things that George did really well in Vegas, and, and I remember he explained this to me afterwards, was that he said, we, Eric, we effectively did three drafts in one. He said, we had no, we had no base at all. So we got three firsts, we had three seconds, you know, we did three years worth of drafting in one fell swoop, and that was one of our goals. And, and I would think that Seattle is going to do a lot more of that slow and steady building process than even Vegas did, because Vegas, you know, pushed all their chips in by the end of the first year. And so in order to do that, you need to get draft capital. And as of the taping of this show, you know, we haven't seen any additional draft capital added. As I said, not to say that that can't happen in, in the hours and days to come, um, but that I felt that there would be some that emerged immediately from this exercise and it didn't. You, Eric, you surprised they didn't take some, take some bigger names? I am. Yeah, I am. And, and, and having said that, John, like I, I wrote, I don't know, 50 Seattle stories in three and a half years. And I kept in every single story, kept issuing the caveat. I, I even printed the actual Vegas expansion draft and pointed out the names of players that never saw the light of day. Uh, because, you know, fans kept saying, why would they take this worst player when these better players are available? And I said, just look, you know, the, you know, Timu Polkinen never saw the light of day. I mean, they, you know, they had to take, uh, Clayton Stoner's contract to get Shea Theodore. So there's going to be a whole, there's going to be some names that the ca casual fans, even kind of committed hockey fans are not going to recognize. So that was always going to be part of the process, but there were more of those names than I thought uh, on this list. And to me, um, you know, we did, we did an exercise of trying to mimic the, the Seattle war room just a day before the actual, um, before the actual, expansion draft and one of the things we decided was you know if you have no cap commitment you can push your chips in on a couple of players you know swing for the fences use whatever cliche you want and, and our guy was Gabe Landscott I mean you know the, the ask is high but here's a guy who's in his prime you know third best player on the maybe the second or third best team in, in the NHL I would rather get a guy like Gabe Landeskog then, you know, spend what they spent to sign Jamie Alexia. You know, I think you can find those mid-level defenders. They, they've got a bunch of them. You know, that to me, how do, how do you win? Like, you, you, you need to get some elite pieces, and, and they don't have any. I mean, I, I looked it up. Uh, you know, if you look at the forwards that they drafted, the highest scoring guy is Yanni Gordon. He was 91st in the NHL in scoring. Everly was 116, and McCann was 123. I mean, it's going to be hard to win with uh, if that's all you've got in terms of offense. You know, it doesn't mean that they can't, you know, try to trade for Brian Johansson, try to trade for Sean Monaghan, try to, you know, fill in some gaps subsequently. But, um, but I guess that's a long way of saying I expected more. Yeah. Well, the Vegas clearly set the bar very, very high, um, Mr. Jaffe, and to you. And the danger here was in trying to match that bar. This is a bar that was uh, had never been achieved. No, nobody had ever come close to this. This team has now not missed the playoffs in their first four years. As a general rule, you're going to go six, eight years before you make the playoffs as an expansion team, almost in any sport. That's the historical reference that you go by. If Seattle... Um, can't match Vegas's bar, and it's going to be almost impossible to do that, then what? Then what happens to that fervent fan base that exists at the beginning, all full of optimism and, and whatever? Because they're looking down the road and saying, well, Vegas did it. How come you can't do it? Right? Vegas didn't have to do it in a world pandemic where that's changed the narrative of everything. Uh, I understand hockey is, you know, hockey is hockey, but it, you're, you're talking about a flat cap. No, I mean, the, the, the currency of cap space is more valuable than ever before. I, I think they've had enough time to understand. Yes. They'd love to be Vegas where they're good. Very good. I, first of all, Seattle's fans 
and, and all their pro sports are spectacular. I think the fervor is going to remain there for a long time, even if they're, let's just say, okay to good. Uh, by the way, I like their D crew right now better than a bunch of teams in the NHL. I'm not saying it's off the charts, but I think it's pretty good and big and strong, and they're only going to get better. Um, I, I just think that this is a, a town that is absolutely jonesing for this. They're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of spectacular uh, features in their arena. I think they're going to keep that for a few years. Now, I think they're going to end up being pretty good. To Eric's point, there's going to be some moves made. We just sure. don't know it right now. And I, 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 what's it going to be? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't shocked, fellas. Shani, I wasn't shocked that they didn't go for a lot of big names. I mean, if it's a true report of Landeskog wanting eight to nine mil, if that's true, I don't, I, you guys might know better than me in that scoop type of thing. I can't pay that to that guy for seven, eight years. I, I, I can't. And I love the kid. I love him for leadership, et cetera. But I need to be more prudent with my cash because, again, to Eric's point, there's going to be other teams out there that are going to offer something that you're going to get at many dollars, many fewer dollars than you would for something like that. You know, the, the, the thing with this club is, um, and again, George, George, what George and Kelly did in Vegas is it, it is the it's the base um, is that they started with their defense, got some goaltending and then worried about scoring. I think in many ways, Seattle tried to do the same with their blue line. I am not convinced at this point about their goaltending, but that might change. And they're going to have a tough time scoring goals. Yep. And that's where perhaps maybe not this week, but maybe, maybe Eric, um, you know, they are going to be a little more active in free agency to try to find a goal scorer or two. Don't you think? Yeah. But what, what I would, here's what I would say to you, John, um, so they went out and signed a free agent goaltender and two free agent defensemen. I mean, Billy's right. They're, they're, when you have most teams adopting a 7-3 and 1 protection model, there are going to be more defensemen available than forwards. It's just, just flat out. You're, you're getting the fourth best defenseman on both teams as opposed to the eighth best forward. This is why I don't understand why the first three free agents they signed, one was a goalie when there were goalie options, and two were defensemen when there were defensive options. Why not go out and get forwards because forwards are, you knew you were going to need forwards. You knew you were going to need centers. Now, granted there, you know, no centers ever get to free agency, no number one or two centers ever get to free agency. Those guys get locked up time and time again. But like I say, I, I swing, I spend that money on forwards knowing that I'm going to get defensive help in the expansion draft and I'm going to get goaltending in the expansion. It's just the, how they allocated the resources coming out of the gate that puzzled me a little bit. I, I'm not saying that's going to be right or wrong because, you know, Larson, if, if they keep Giordano and if Giordano and Larson is, is your top pair, that's a pretty good place to start in a division where you're probably going to, you're defending against McDavid, you're defending against Patterson. Um, but I, I just, I, I wonder why they committed the dollars that they did to positions where they were reasonably strong already and, and, and ignored the one position where they were very weak. And, and can I just add one thing to, to Bob's opening statement in this salvo? You know, you, Bob, you mentioned that, you know, that Vegas set the bar and it's never been done before. It, it, that, those other teams, the Minnesotas, Columbuses, Nashville, that was all pre-cap. And so George was smart enough with his staff to realize that the landscape changed and not only were the protection scenarios far more generous for the expansion team, far more generous, but, but so that's part one. But the other thing is recap, right? I mean, you know, when, when, when you have a salary cap, teams are forced into making uh, certain moves and, and, and that's why, you know, they ended up with draft choices from the Islanders and Columbus and, and so on and so forth, because those teams were, were boxed in by contracts that they had, that in the pre-cap world wouldn't have been an issue. You just, you know, let the guy go, you pay him off, and it doesn't count against your cap. They were boxed in, and, you know, George was smart enough to, to realize that, but the landscape had changed so significantly. So if they had have had the kind of struggles that those teams that, that had in the, you know, the expansions between 1998 and 2000, it would have been a massive fail. You know, they, they, the NHL sometimes isn't very progressive, but in this particular case, they understood that having a basket case franchise in a city like Vegas would have been a disaster. And so mm-hmm. they, they, they helped them get very good very quickly. And, and the same rules apply to Seattle. That's 
That's why at the end of the day, you know, Seattle will be a, a competitive team, a competitive team. I don't know that they'll necessarily be a playoff team. And by the way, that's the other thing. I don't know if George mentioned this, but when they started the process at first October, you know, they had guys like Neil on an expiring contract, Peron on an expiring contract. They thought those guys were going to be rentals because they didn't think they'd be in the playoff race. And then, you know, they caught lightning in a bottle and the script flipped and they were buyers rather than sellers at the end of the day. But but they themselves were surprised at how well everything fell into place for them in that first year. Billy, was there was there one player off the uh, available list that surprised you that didn't go? Was there somebody that you said, oh, he's gone and didn't go? Um, no, no, I, 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 I made up my own mock draft. Yeah. I got about, I think I got about 12, right? Maybe, four, uh, maybe actually a few more than that. I, one guy I thought maybe they would go for maybe, and maybe I'm overvaluing him because of just recency bias, so to speak. I thought maybe they would, to Eric's point about forward, I thought maybe they would try and get a guy early on, like a, a Dano, Philip Dano from the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. You know, the free agency type of thing. Am I, was I shocked about it? No, not at all, because the whole Carey Price thing took over that narrative. Um, I mean, maybe I thought James Van Riemsdyk, but it was, it, is it shocking to me, Shani? No, it no. wasn't shocking, but I thought he could go. Uh, and, and I thought he would, I had him on my list of players that would go there. Um, no, nobody, nobody shocked me. I didn't think they would take Tarasenko. I, I just yeah. didn't, yeah. I, I didn't think they would get that. Um, you know, with the Bruins team, obviously that I know, well, I thought it would come down to Connor Clifton. I thought Cliffy would go and then Jeremy Lausanne. I get it a little more youth, a little more potential upside. And they're going for this size on the back end. And also Jay Leach. Well, Jay Leach knew Connor Cl- knows Connor Clifton too, but he really knows Jeremy Lausanne even more, the top assistant for Dave Axtell staff. So again, nothing shocked me though. No, no, nothing shocked me to a point of like, oh my God, I can't believe that guy didn't go. What about you, Eric? Well, uh, I, had, I, I thought JVR would be a, um, a guy that they would be interested in. You know, $7 million, a lot of money, but he had a really good year. Um, you know, sort of that net front presence on the power play. I, I think that, you know, he's a guy that, that would have been their leading score if they had taken him. So I was prepared to, to see him go there. I thought Shane Gost is there. Um, when you look at the three great years that Gostas Bear had be- before he fell off a cliff, they were playing for Dave Haxtall. Um, I also look at that, uh, that lineup, and, and while I like their defense, is there a true power play quarterback there? So, you know, maybe, as I say, I, I, I still feel that there, there could be something uh, percolating between uh, Philly and, and Seattle down the road. I mean, Seattle is just a team now, right? So they can mm-hmm. just go out and, and, and they can, you know, trade for a guy like, like JVR and, and Philly is willing to take 20% uh, of the cap hit back. Then that makes it, you know, less uh, expensive for Seattle. And then the other one was Jake Bean. Me um, too. You know, in, the, in the same way that, uh, you know, Hayden Fleury was, Hayden Fleury was the first first round pick ever for Ron Francis in Carolina. So Ron took the job in April of 2014. And two months later, he took Hayden Fleury in the first round. So seven years have passed. You know, he's had some up, up and down times, but he's had a chance to mature. He's ready to, to play in sort of those quiet, invisible minutes in the NHL. So it wasn't surprising to me that that was the pick from Anaheim. But I also thought that two years later, Jake Bean in the first round, you know, he had a chance this year to, you know, to, to anchor that second power play. Obviously, Dougie Hamilton's the first power play guy in Carolina this past year. And, um, you know, a little bit slight in, in terms of physical stature, but, but, you know, I think he is going to evolve into kind of a, a Shattenkirk type or a, or a Tyson Berry type, or, a, a, you know, a, a guy that you kind of hide on your third pair five on five, but can run a power play and, and, and really, really help you. And so, you know, the fact that they opted for Morgan Geeky in, instead of being that, that, that surprised me as well. So there were a few that were a bit eyebrow raising and, um, and uh, those, those would be the, the highest on my list. For sure. So Jake, Jake Bean was Jake Bean was at the top of my surprise list. I thought for sure Jake Bean was going to Seattle. And the other guy, I, I really do, and, and this is where we have to wait and see. Um, I would have taken Josh Bailey over Jordan Eberle. Mm-hmm. I really would have. I, mm-hmm. I, I just think Josh Bailey's got better finish. I, I think, jo- I don't know, Billy, you've seen them play a lot more than we have, but I like Bailey more than Eberle. And you wonder now, as we, as we wait for, uh, you know, the stories to come out, what Lou and Ronnie have concocted yeah, yeah. for them to take 
Eberly over Bailey. Yeah, Bailey has a real almost folk following in 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 the island. You know, he's he's been so did John Tavares. So did John. Yeah, but but it's funny. It's without John there now. Josh Bailey's become the you know the guy that leads them in playoff scoring since 1985. He's this this wonderful person who I was I was with the Islander organization when he was drafted first. Remember they traded down twice to get him, and sure. he's a phenomenal kid. Uh, they view him as a big time leader for that team as well. So I don't you're, know. You're, I, you're, I, I tell you what, you're selling me on why he should be in Seattle. I know, man. no, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's it's you're right to your point. Maybe there was something that was concocted. I, I, uh, yeah, I look, Josh. I'm biased towards Josh. I'm happy he's still in the island. I know how much he loves it, but to your point, it's fair. I I, I could have seen him definitely going over Everly there. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, chat some more on the uh, day after. Uh, the expansion draft involving uh, the new Seattle Kraken with the Hotchik and Jaffe back after these messages. Bob McCown, John Shannon, Eric the Hotchik, Billy Jaffe, all with you. Um, earlier, I think, Jaffe, it was you who mentioned the name Carey Price, who dominated the conversation in the days leading up to this draft. And there were, well, Obviously, people on both sides of the equation, should they, shouldn't they? Um, the injury situation made it a gray area. On the five years left on his contract at 10-5 made it a gray area. One thing that wasn't a gray area was the geography and the fact that Kerry's uh, wife is from Washington State, that carries from the north, the uh, west coast of Canada. I guess they have a place there. Mm -hmm. um, those are the kinds of selling features that become important when you're trying to sell tickets. And it was pointed out, well, they don't have to sell tickets in Seattle. They've sold them all. But you can make a lot of money selling jerseys too. And his jersey would have been off the charts. Um, was that the right move to pass on on him, or was it the wrong one? Billy, to you. I never really believed, gentlemen, that they were going to take him when it was all said and done, due to the first couple of comments that you mentioned, Bobby, about him. Uh, just the injury being number one. Where Where is this body at? Of course, he had a fantastic playoff run. Couldn't have happened at a better time, or if, I guess if you're the crack and maybe a worse time because it, it made it, maybe it muddied the waters a little bit more and they made him think more about it. I don't know. I think they had to, once, once it became official that he was out there, yes, they did their due diligence, et cetera. I, I, I mean, I never thought it got to a point where they absolutely were going to take him and then they back. I, I never thought it was more than 50-50 at best because of those other things that you mentioned. The money, and I go back to what we talked about earlier, the cap space, cachet or the importance of that is huge if it was two years left on his deal different story bob i think a different story you're willing to take that because you're right you make up and carry you make up whatever different carry price jerseys and the fan club etc you do everything you market the you know what out of it uh i think the five years and everything was just too much when it's all said and done Eric? If, the if the marketing department had been making the decision rather than the hockey department, I agree. Carey Price might have been the choice. But to me, it wasn't you know uh, uh, black and white at all, it, or gray areas at all, as you say, Bob. It was black and white. I, I, I could not imagine any circumstances in which they were prepared to give up one-eighth, one-eighth of their salary cap space on a 34-year-old guy with five years left that has hip and, and knee injuries. It, 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 like like we would so we again we did a we did a mock draft we had five of our writers do a war room and and we you know when when the when the available list came out i said okay we have to start with carrie price i said we were going to start alphabetically we we're going to start with anaheim and go all the way through and pick our team and i said we have to start with carrie price because our decision on carrie price is going to affect all the other 29 players that we pick if we mm -hmm. take carrie price then we have already committed 10.5 million. We're trying to stay as close to the minimum threshold as the league required, which was right around 50 million. And now we're giving him 10. I said, no, no chance. And, and, you know, our, our consensus, it was unanimous. It was five to zero that we are not taking carry price. We need to preserve that money for other additions. And so I think you want a, uh, 
a Marc-Andre Fleury type in goal because if you look at all the success that Vegas has had, most of it comes from the fact that they've had this standout guy playing goal for them for the first four years. But but I thought the risk was was too great. Now, you know, was I prepared to entertain Jonathan Quick at 5'8"? Yeah, a little bit. You know, again, not as much of an injury his, history there. Um, only two years left on the contract. Uh, great pedigree. Uh, tremendously competitive. Great athlete. And the actual dollars are, are nickels and dimes. It's like three million, I think, for the second to last year of the contract in 2.5. So if they were prepared to go for a big name goalie with a pedigree, I would have picked quick over price or Braden Holtby, who was also out there. Um, but at 4-3 was too much for me for the kind of year that he had. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, you're right. A lot of smoke and mirrors around, around Carey Price, but I thought that's all it was, smoke and mirrors. Well, one of the interesting um, things that McPhee brought up was because we talked to him specifically about the flurry deal. And um, he, he ma I made a really interesting point. He said, uh, you know, we assumed our fan base would understand losing and the fan base would understand losing a game two to one or three to two. The hard part was going to be if you lost six, two or seven, two every night. And in order to prevent that, the focus, well, in general hockey terms anyway, was defense and goaltending. Mm -hmm. And the Kraken um, seemed to have spent considerable time and significant focus on defense, but are essentially rolling the dice in goal. You, you, can, you can analyze the, the three guys uh, however you want, but they don't know what they've got when the season starts. And they could have known. And if it was, as you, got, as you said, E, maybe it wasn't Carey Price from an economic standpoint, but quick or Holtby or somebody who you know is at least an NHL goaltender. Yeah. Which, which makes you wonder, Bob, whether, I mean, they only picked the minimum of three goaltenders, uh, you know, uh, you know, other teams, you know, in, in memory serves me, I think Vegas picked five, um, you, you know, they only picked threes and, and now we're into, now we're into the, the buying season. And you wonder if they're going to go and try to do something this summer oh, I for, think a that's a must. For, for a veteran goaltender. Oh, so do I. But, you know, I, I, and the other thing is, not only do they have, I think, a good defense, they have a huge defense, and they have a tough defense. They, they have a philosophy on their blue line that they are going to take no prisoners. When you think of guys like that, you know, like Curtis McDermott out of L.A. and, and Jamie, who's a tough guy They're They are, they're going to be a really tough defensive team to play against all season long. The Lausanne kid's a tough kid too. I mean, yeah. you know, he's, they've got seven, eight legit guys. Now, again, they might not be top tier guys, but yeah. that mid tier that, that will form a very good defense that again, I go back to this many teams would look at and say, I take that. Now I agree yeah. with you. The goaltending, they are absolutely, I'll be shocked. I will be shocked if I had any money in my pocket to bet I would do it right now that they uh, Canadian or American dollars that they will absolutely go out and get another goalie. I'll tell you what, you can, you can bet me in Canadian or in, in American <laughs> and I will pay you in Canadian. How's that Billy? That's, that's the way to do it. Canadian beer. Remember, that's fool all me, I want. Canadian fool, beer. Fool, fool, fool me, fool me once. <laughs> shame on me. <laughs> fool me twice. Shame on you. Eric. Uh, the, the one thing that, uh, that, that uh, appeared to me last night and Brad Treliving had a press conference. I think one of the few ex other managers that did after the event, because they lost, they lost a key component for a decade and a half of their franchise. What, what are the ramifications of losing Mark Giordano? Well, I think significant, um, you know, they went into the, the exercise with their eyes wide open. So let's backtrack to the point where they were um, signing um, Tanov, Chris Tanov last year at the, uh, uh, out of free agency. So last year, they, they went in the free agent market. They signed the goaltender from Vancouver, Markstrom, and they signed Tanner. And I think the feeling at that time was they, they gave him, it was considered an overpay, I think of four years, 4.5 million. But the feeling was that if they had a protection issue, uh, that, you know, they could leave Tanev available. And the idea would be that if Vegas or if Seattle then took Tanev, they would just go into the market and replace him with another 
defenseman that you would overpay for 4.5 million over four years. So that there, and there would be options because there are always options in free agency. Well, what ended up happening, of course, was Tanev played sensationally, uh, helped Noah Hannafin get to another level, proved to be an incredible glue guy. It's an overused term, but but they they, they were they were pleasantly surprised at how effective he was and and how important he became to that team right away. So suddenly now they're in this protection quandary because they have two young defensemen, Hannafin and, and Anderson, that that they consider to have bright, long you know, futures with, with the team. And then you have a 37 going on 38 year old captain. So they felt kind of boxed in, into a corner there, uh, but it increasingly realized that, um, that they could lose him. And I think what ended up changing the narrative a little bit internally was, I, I think they felt that they could steer um, Seattle away with, you know, like a, pick, a, a, you know, a second rounder or a third rounder until the trade deadline rolled around. And all of a sudden, what are teams paying just to rent Nick Felino and just to rent David Savard? First round picks, right? And so Ron Francis is not a stupid man. He's looking at that saying, okay, so here's a guy that's available. He's on an expiring contract, which makes him a perfect rental for, for next year. If, if David Savard is going for a first, what do you get for the 2019 Norris Trophy winner? You, I mean, somebody, if they have to move pieces at the deadline because they're not in, in the race, you're going to get a first for him. So, so that's why the ask was a first and, and, and a third from, from Calgary, because, you know, the, the argument from Seattle side was we can get that at, at the deadline if we want it. And in the meantime, you can come in and, and build culture for us. So, so, you know, if you're Calgary, you want to give up wealth overall pick in, in the draft for a guy that, you know, is probably going to play one to two more years. The answer was no. And so, you know, he, he was the face of the franchise after Jerome McGinley left, um, he has that quiet leadership. Um, you know, he's always front and center, you know, explaining away losses, you know, while everybody else is scurrying off and, and, and hiding. Um, you know, I've covered hockey for more than 40 years, and there aren't five better people in the game than Mark Giordano that I've come across. Just a really good person, you know, active in the community, not one of those fake active guys that, you know, that appears for the photo opportunity and then disappears. He and his wife were genuinely committed to, to being in the community and doing good things in the community and always being around the town. I mean, it checks so many boxes in terms of, <laughs> of, of what he accomplished in, for that organization. So it really was the end of an era. And, you know, when you think about what 30 teams lost on Wednesday night. I mean, there's no question in my mind that, that Calgary lost the most. You know, they lost a, a really important piece. And, and you know, the, the silver lining is that, you know, they've got almost $7 million in extra cap space, but, but they have a hole they have to fill. And so, um, you know, they're, they, you know, the, the Mark Giordano chapter closed in the same way that the Jerome McGinley chapter closed. And now they've got to press forward and, and see where it goes. And certainly a new leadership group has to evolve because, you know, Giordano was the guy that did most of the heavy lifting in the last, you know, you know the last half of his 15-year career in Calgary. Um, it is my belief, and I think it has been documented, that it is impossible to win a, a game on, if you don't score a goal. Um, mm -hmm. You can't win nothing, nothing. And... And while this team will, I believe, I think we all agree, will improve their goaltending situation from where it is right now, and the defense is their, clearly their strength, um, the goal scoring is going to be the issue. Vegas had a guy named Carlson come in and um, shockingly score 44. Uh, who on this list might be the next Carlson? Because getting goal scorers is not going to be an easy task and they don't have any, they have very few. Uh, is there a guy out there that either of you two have looked at and said, well, maybe this is an emerging talent like a William Carlson? Uh, I'm guessing no, just no, by does, the immediate uh, pause. Does, 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 <laughs> does Jared McCann fall into that? No. Maybe, maybe Meeting, but. May, maybe not 40, but does he fall into the, I'm going to get, I don't remember what his average time on ice was last year, but does he get two more minutes a game, more power play time, you know, and he gets that proverbial opportunity. Um, maybe, I mean, off this list, nobody truly jumps up. The one guy I think that 
will do great there, albeit he's injured to begin it, is Yanni Gord. I don't think he's going to, again, score 40, but I do think that he is going to bring a lot of his P&V, right, his piss yeah. and vinegar that he's awesome with, and he is take no prisoners and relentless. And I think along with Giordano, he's a really good leader for this team, part of a leadership core for this team. I could see him uh, getting it. Now, where do they purpose him, though? Do they, do they purpose him as a top six, or do they leave him in that third line role that he is so good at? And that could impact his output offensively. Of course, the injury, the surgery, et cetera, that's going to impact more than anything. But I think the hope is off this list is that uh, maybe a McCann and maybe, I mean, you guys see, look, Shannon, you and I talked, and hear me out here. We talked about Mason Appleton a few months ago. Can this kid be that guy in the top, I won't say three, but six or nine role that does more Shows more production than he showed with Winnipeg. Could that kid type of Now, I tell you what, App- Appleton's a great pickup, but he's not a top six forward. Um, and 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 Winnipeg, Win- Winnipeg, as deep as they are at forward, they're going to miss Appleton. They really are. That, that, that's a bad loss, too. Actually, the three Prairie teams, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, lost valuable members of their club in the expansion draft, maybe more than any other part of, of, uh, of, of the draft. Because Larson, they're going to miss Larson a lot in Edmonton too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only two guys I read, and I actually sent Ron a note last night saying I, I love two of your picks. I did. I love two of your picks. I love Brandon Tan. I hate the rest, Ron, but I love oh, these I two. Well, no, he knows. <laughs> I'm pretty odd. Unfortunately, I have this. Uh, I have this characteristic of being a little too honest. But, but I love Brandon Tanev because I think Brandon Tanev is perfect for a, a new franchise. He is going to be a whirling dervish there. He is going to be. They're going to be tons of Brandon Tanev sweaters sold at, at the arena and i love Jonas donskoy but donskoy obviously is underachieved in colorado too from when he was in san jose so those two picks i like I, i'm not sure where their goal scoring is going to come from eric do you know no not well i think gord is their best player up front no question you know top six i mean he's top three on that team and uh, and and like billy i i thought you know, McCann is a guy who has shown glimpses of being really good offensively. And then, you know, and there's been stretches of inconsistency too. So um, I guess the only thing that I would say is that when William Carlson was the pick in Columbus, he was the one that they had to take to, to make that deal work. And his scoring came out of nowhere. So, you know, I mean, but, but no, I, I think that that kind of, Lightning in a bottle miracle is not going to happen with any of these players. Well, the only difference there, in fairness, with with Carlson, as I recollect, he hadn't really been given much of an opportunity. We we really didn't know that much about Carlson as to what his potential was. He had upside, obviously, he overachieved. But Gord, we I think we know him better. Well, yeah, you know, he's and a good and player, a really good player. I mean, he's he's yeah, he really is a very good player. But I mean, in terms of scoring goals well yeah, yeah. He's, i mean he's not mcdavid you know like he's not <laughs> well no he's not you know he's, he's, he's not, not even brian mcdavid are you kidding me i mean he's, well that's what i mean like they, they they just don't have that like they have they have no first line so i think what they'll do is so you talk to some coaches around the national hockey league and and some teams like to go with a top six and a bottom six but increasingly you're hearing coaches talk about a top nine and a bottom three. So your bottom three is a line that's going to play, you know, eight to 10 minutes a night and be an energy line and maybe have a, you know, like a heavy weight on it, but, but really doesn't play a lot. And then you balance out three lines and there really is no distinction between a first, a second and a third. You have a, an A, a B and a C line and they're all about the same. And I think that, you know, unless they significantly upgrade this group, that's what you're going to see uh, with Seattle. I think they're going to have, three lines that play about the same amount of uh, even strength ice time and are probably going to produce about the same amount of offense. I just don't, I don't think that there's going to be a distinct first line like you have in, in Edmonton or, or Toronto, you know, where, you know, the gap between the, the top and the, and even the third line is, is very significant in Seattle. I think there's going to be nine comparably talented forwards, all producing hopefully 15 to 20 goals a year you get scoring by committee, you know, somebody has to come in and, and sort of be the trigger man on the, on the power play. Someone has to come in and run the power play as far as I'm concerned. As good as this defense is, I, I just don't see somebody 
and it's going to be a natural power play guy, unless it's Giordano, because Giordano has run yeah. the power play mostly in Calgary. Like this past year, um, when Jeff Ward was originally coaching the team, they, they gave the job to Rasmus Anderson. Um, they tried Hannafin there a little bit. They tried Valimaki there for about two semi-disastrous games, and eventually they ended up, you know, up, you know putting Giordano back at times too. They, I mean, it was a, a work in progress throughout the whole year. He can do it and has done it. And he may have to do it again here. Could you, could you, Eric, could you see Ron? I mean, we, we know he took Geeky because he liked him and he took Flurry because he liked him and had drafted him. Um, could you see him um, take, trying to make a stab at Dougie Hamilton to fill that void? I mean, they have the money. They yeah. have the money. And then, because all these guys we've talked about on the blue line, you can move any of them anytime. I mean, there's going to be some appetite for some of those players short term, even. Uh, for teams could could you see them going for a big free agent um well you know my my big free agent again landis cock the thing about him so okay so dougie hamilton um ron wasn't the general manager that made that trade right so ron had left and it was donnie waddell and uh, and brad tree living that made that trade that sent hamilton from from calgary to carolina so really francis doesn't have a have a history with him um his analytics are great and analytics are are really important uh, in that um, Seattle front office in terms of, of trying to sort of see things that maybe the rest of us don't <laughs> in guys. Um, I, I, I th- again, they've already committed a fair number of free agent dollars to two defensemen. I, I, I can't see how you can commit a lot of your remaining free agent dollars to another defenseman unless you end up moving, you know, six of the of your picks in the in the expansion draft to other teams and you know get a few draft choices here and there. I, I, I think they have to prioritize the thing that we've been spending the last 20 minutes talking about. Get some scoring, you know, get some top six forwards because that's really what's missing. And and you know, I mean, you look at so Friday's the entry draft. You know, there's there's a you know a, a you know the, the consensus number one overall pick is is Owen Power, defenseman. He, he'll probably be off the board. You, you have to you have to draft, right? I mean, the, the one thing that Ronnie is smart enough to know is that you know a, a, a true number one center, or even a true number two center, you, you very rarely find those guys. And if you do, it's because they're overpriced or yeah. on the way down. So they'll they'll, they'll draft a, a center and and hope in three years time or four years time. They develop their own number one, and they have to patch until that point. And right. so, I think that's that's what the strategy is going to be. Uh, I think they draft. I, I think they uh, first of all, I think they draft Maddie Beniers. I think mm-hmm. that's yeah. pretty pretty conclusive that they'll take. Um, and I think that they bring in two twenty goal scores via free agency or trade. I do. I think they mm-hmm. absolutely do. We're having this I think conversation. They have to. Exactly. We're having, I was about to say, Bobby, we're having this obvious conversation. They can't score. We're talking about it and we're the puckheads or whatever you called us. And trust me, those guys over there, yeah, they, they know, they know, <laughs> they know yeah. that they're going to need to two twenty goal guys. Um, I, I go back to what Eric, what you're saying. I, I, I love Gabe Landeskog. I just can't, if, if we're talking seven, eight years with that body and eight, 9 million, I just, I just, that's a huge road to go down that goes against everything, at least that we've seen so far with them. But I think they figure out a way, one via free agency, one via trade, that they had 220 plus goal scores between now and October 1st or whatever. And you're convinced it's, it's Beniers uh, over Dylan Gunther? I know more about Beniers than I do about Gunther. So I'll take, again, what I, what I know having, you know, the kid played at Michigan, understanding that, knowing more wow. about college. I, I, and, and what I read and, and what, you know, Beniers has got a, a flair to him that, as many people say, reminds a lot of people of Ronnie Francis in certain ways. We're not saying he's a Hall of Famer. Let's, you know, pump brakes here and there. But it's that center. I don't know. That's just what I feel, that they'll go in, in, in that market. Uh, that, that, that was my point, John, uh, in one of the last things that I wrote, that uh, what Ronnie really needs to do is turn the clock back on his own body right. and insert a 20-year-old Ron Francis into that lineup. If you could do that, <laughs> you're gold. So, and the other thing I'd like to say, just be, you know, is that, you know, the one, you know, I, I don't know if we've, if this will be perceived as being critical of what they did or not, but, but I always think of this as it, as um, this is the midterm, right? So it's, and the final exam is still coming up. So you can't grade Seattle on what they've accomplished so far. Agreed. It's, it's the very, it's, it's the first midterm. 
I think they did a, a, a you know a, a decent job of 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 working within the rules that they had and preserving the cap space. But really, it'll be the you know the lineup that goes into training camp, or or maybe even the lineup on on opening night, because because what ends up happening as you get closer to opening night is that the pressure on teams to get camp compliant starts to get greater and greater and greater. And the minute that that happens, your leverage is increases, increases, increases. And so, you know, th that's when we'll know what they've got. Right. Um, October, what, 12th or whatever it is against, uh, against Vegas. So it, it's hard to, it's hard to, to give them a, it's an incomplete grade for me right now because, you know, there's still lots, lots and lots of move, movement still to come. How did you do on midterms, Billy? Midterms? Yeah. I didn't do well in early terms, midterms. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, I had one good, really good year. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I hung uh, that's, in there. That's a subject I'm sure for another show. Uh, we've kept you guys long enough. Uh, by the way, in my, in my uh, ever vigilant um, de demand, de desire to educate and inform, the phrase that two of the three of you screwed up <laughs> is fool me once shame on you fool me uh, twice shame, shame on, me. on me that's right all right so try and remember that so the next time we get together there may be a test and it won't be a midterm it'll be a final hey go. listen if we recorded this later at night and i'm drinking a different brew than the coffee brew i'm drinking i guarantee you i would have been fine bobby i would have been fine <laughs> i don't doubt that for a second jaffe uh boys it's always our pleasure thanks a lot I enjoyed it and uh we'll uh we'll catch up with you um, down the road, probably after the summertime goes through. Enjoy the uh, rest of the offseason. Thanks, guys. You too. Thanks. Eric Dehachik, Billy Jaffe. We'll be back after this. McCowan and Shannon, and our thanks to uh, Dehachik and Jaffe for uh, being on the program uh, today. Well, uh, one of the things you mentioned off the very top of the show that we didn't get into in the body was... I think we sort of addressed this with McPhee, if I'm not mistaken, yesterday. But by the time the television show arrived, virtually every name had been mm -hmm. um, well. Every name was, was out there. Every name was out. And it, I, I hate to say this, but if you let television rule your business, your business will suffer in the end because television is nothing but greed. Mm -hmm. and um well it's a little more than greed no it's pretty much all greed okay i mean how how can you how can you have your a team go through this process privately and then wait 8 10 24 48 hours and announce it publicly expecting it to be a surprise it's beyond stupid well, it, it was a 10-hour window when everything came out. Um, and, and really what happened was is that, you know, when you paid $650 million, I think you pay $650 million to get some secrecy. Uh, and, they, and, you know, the other teams didn't play along. Uh, the agents didn't play along. Um, I, I believe that, uh, you know, there's a good chance that uh, uh, the players themselves didn't play along. And really what has to happen is, is that you have to put your list in. You know, there's a protocol to deciding whether the contract is valid or not, blah, 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 all that legalese stuff. Plus you have to be able to contact the player to say you have been selected by Seattle. So there, there is a process that you need to be able to put in for Seattle's list before it gets announced. Well, hold on. You, you said they, they have to contact the player. Why? Well, I, I think that's part of collective bargaining, Bob. Why? I think that's because I, I, I what is the what in, what? Fair, in fairness, in, in fairness to the player. I mean, we're talking we're talking about change. What difference does it make Bob? if he finds out 10 hours before or when the draft is being conducted? Because you, we're talking you, about changing people's lives. We're talking about it's changing 10 hours. We're John, talking. We're talking you're doing about that families. with an amateur draft no, every no. So, so here, year. So, so here's my point, though, Bob. Here's my point. Could the window have been 30 minutes? Could the window have been 60 minutes between when Seattle put the team in and they right. unveil it? And the answer is yes. It should have been. And hopefully they have learned that lesson. And as I said at the top of the show, I hope we never have to go through this anyway, because 32 teams is enough. 
And I don't want another expansion. Well, it would be, you know, what would be really nice is if you had people who were smart enough running this league who could figure this out in advance and wouldn't have to fail first before they decided, oh, that didn't work. Let's change it. Yeah, but I, I, it's interesting because I, I, I do think they did a better job of keeping it a secret for Vegas than they did this time. Um, and and as, well, you well was, know, as, a- as you well know, as you as you well know, you know there, you know the the secret driving force in so many ways in this sport and lots of sports are agents, and agents need to fuel the machine too in order to get favors from people and media people. And I, I feel that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, but that's not an excuse. You know, no, that, no, that's, no, that's no, no, that's pointing no, a that, finger no, at, 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 at agents to, as being the culprits yeah. in this. It doesn't matter. They're all part of the infrastructure that Agreed. is hockey and the Agreed. National Hockey Agreed. League. Agreed. I agree. They, I know. I'm Bob. I'm the one that was disappointed. Look, I'm just explaining ha- what happened. <clears throat> if you want to make the announcement at three o'clock in the afternoon, then have the television show at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's what I'm saying. If you're going to have a draft and it is supposed to be legit. I'm not watching a television show after I know exactly what's happened. Hmm. I think you that's know? a fair comment. That's and, a really fair comment. And I want to know, I'd, lo- I'd these, love to know, I'd love did. to know how many, how, how the ratings in both countries was affected with all the news coming out during the day. Well, I can tell you that one less, one less viewer, because you know, I'm not a hockey puck and I didn't know everyone, but I knew, I knew a, a bunch of the names that were already out over the course of the day. Sure. And I knew that they weren't going to take Carey Price. And that was by miles the biggest name. Yep. And am I going to invest two hours or however long it went for that, you know, show? Um, when I know what the, what, what's going to come? No. But I'll tell you, I will, I will also say this. Um, that was a show that was run by what NHL network. Uh, I think the league produced it. Yeah. You so, you, so hold on. So you did watch it after all. I watched, I, I flipped in, in the, in the, in the course of commercials, I flipped over a couple of times. If you're a sports nut, are you not pissed that you had essentially, I didn't see any role for them. Did they have a role? No, but they probably got it for free, Bob. And they well, got that, the commercials, and, and, and they got and they got the commercials. That answers that question. If they can, if you can get it for free, you sure, certainly wouldn't want to put your your personalities um, in front of the camera. No, but like for instance, Let's put a couple of people Canadians have never seen. Well, for for instance, oh, that's not fair. But uh, the, the, <sighs> the the um uh the the draft on Friday night. Uh, Sportsnet is directly involved. In fact, uh, uh, Elliot, our buddy Elliot, and Sam Cosentino are on the broadcast that will be seen in both countries. So there, there are times that Sportsnet has contributed. Oh, great! And and how many American guys are on that broadcast? I don't know. I think I think John Butchergrass is the host, but I don't know who else is on the uh, no, on I, the show. I, I can guarantee it'll be more than more than Sportsnet. Well, we'll and, I'll tell you what, we'll count. We'll we'll count the we'll count the announcers. You count them. I'm not watching. <laughs> No, no, uh, you can check during the commercial. Well, it depends on what I'm doing. I oh. may have other. I may have other plans. You never know, John. Do say. Uh, uh, that's enough of this nonsense. Uh, baseball tomorrow. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays are about to. Uh, well, they finished now. Um, their prison sentence in Buffalo, and will now have to come back to uh, Toronto um, to lose further games. Vaccined or non-vaccined, right? Well whatever we think is now irrelevant because they're going to do it. And it uh, starts in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll address that uh, with Morosi. That's tomorrow. Hope you'll join us for that. Until then, see ya. See ya.